This afternoon, as, as you rested and recovered from losing an hour of sleep last night, we all needed some recovery from that, didn't we? As you rested and recovered from that this afternoon, I'm imagining that some of the folks in this room at some point uh, went online and logged into a website and, and checked how their investment portfolio was performing. Some folks uh, checked into a retirement account to see how it had grown in the last week or the last month. You know, what's the stock market doing? Some of our young people or college-age people probably logged into a website and, and checked their grades. Have they posted that last test score, right? What did I make? And we checked to see how things are going. Uh, a whole lot of folks this afternoon probably got on some social media app on their phone or their computer and checked to see if that thing they had posted last night got a lot of likes or shares or comments or whatever it might be. Each day of our lives, we, we, we focus on how much uh, the material things in our life increase that 401k account, the bank account, the grades, how much those things are increasing. We want those things to grow. We want that GPA to go up. We, we want to be more popular. We want to have more followers online and, and in general, and, and we just want to, to increase, generally, the level of success in our life. Brother, most of those things aren't in themselves uh, bad in any way, but tonight I want us to, to consider and to focus that, that that idea, that these increases in our life cannot be the priority. See, uh, I, I love this passage, but going back to John chapter 3, which will be our springboard tonight, we'll, we'll stay just there for just a moment and go to some other verses, but in John chapter 3, uh, John the baptizer, had, he had this great popularity. All of Judea had gone out to John to be baptized in the Jordan, right? And it comes about in John chapter 3 that John's disciples notice that, that the people are no longer coming to John. They're going to Jesus. Right? And they come to John and, and they ask John about the crowds going to Christ instead. And John, speaking of Jesus, there in John 3 and verse 30 says, He, Jesus, must increase, but I must decrease. And in that one really simple statement, John gives us a simple yet powerful statement for our consideration tonight and our consideration in our lives. There are a lot of things in this world that, that we want to increase. But the true purpose of our life, what it's all really about, is not those material things that we may want. Our goal and our mantra in life must be the same as John. Jesus must increase, but I must decrease. So tonight, uh, we'll, I know I appreciate Travis, and like he said, I did try to give him uh, plenty of time tonight, so we'll keep it fairly short, just three points. But, but if we want to be pleasing to God and have our priorities right, first, we must stop increasing self. Second, we must enlarge Jesus in our lives. And third, we must increase His glory. In the first place then, we must stop increasing self. Look with me in Luke chapter 12, starting at about verse 15. Luke chapter 12 and verse 15. Here Jesus is going to give us a parable that speaks to this issue. Luke 12 verse 15 there the Bible reads, He said to them, 
Beware and be on your guard against every form of greed, for not even when one has an abundance does this life consist of his possessions. And, and he told them a parable saying, The land of a rich man was very productive. And he began reasoning to himself, saying, What shall I do since I have no place to store my crops? Then he said, This is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and I will store all my grain and my goods, and I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your soul is required of you. And now who will own what you have prepared? So is the man who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. So is the man who increases himself instead of increasing Jesus. Right? Jesus makes it clear that it can't be about my, it has to be about God's. Paul also speaks to this in a, in, a, in a certain way in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse 26, the Apostle Paul wrote to, to the brethren and the congregation at Corinth, describing the condition of, of their, he calls their calling or their election, the state they were, became Christians from. They, they came out of the world, but before they were Christians, he references where they had come from. And he says in verse 26, For consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. And the base things of the world and the despised, God has chosen the things that are not, so that he may nullify the things that are, so that no man may boast before God. But by his doing you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that just as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. See, brethren, God is not glorified when my 401 balance increases. It's not. God is not glorified when uh, young people, when you pull a 4.0 GPA, your parents may really want you to do that, but God is not glorified in your grade point average. God is not glorified when we receive human praise for something we have done. God, God wouldn't be glorified. You could, I could, any of us could get an award for, for excellence in community service in our community, but if it had nothing to do with our spiritual walk and it's an award recognizing us, God is not being glorified. God is not glorified by our material lives. We therefore should not boast in those things. Those things aren't going to help us get to heaven. Paul says that God didn't design the gospel in such a way that only the rich or the smart or the powerful could learn the gospel and could be obedient to the gospel. But God designed it so that everyone could come to Him and be reconciled through Jesus Christ. And to be obedient... We must stop living for ourselves and start living for God. Paul would write again in Galatians 6 and verse 14, But may it never be that I would boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. And again in Philippians 3 and verse 7 he said, But whatsoever things were gains to me, those things have I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. The Apostle Paul 
gave up his position as a Pharisee, not just any Pharisee, but a Pharisee of Pharisees, as one of the, the religious leaders of his ethnic tribe, the Jews in the first century, he gave that up to become a Christian. He gave up prestige and respect that he would have had in Jerusalem in order to travel the world to try to teach these heathen, ungodly people about Jesus Christ. He gave up everything he was raised to hold dear, his way of life, his culture. He gave that up for the opportunity to be mistreated, for the opportunity to be persecuted, for the opportunity to be beaten, and eventually to be murdered. He gave up all those things and said he counted them as loss for the sake of Christ. You see, Saul of Tarsus, the man he was before the Apostle Paul, that man stopped increasing self on the road to Tarsus, on the road to Damascus, excuse me. On that road to Damascus, Saul stopped increasing self. Because he came face to face, he met the risen, resurrected Savior. Brethren, when we meet the resurrected Savior in the pages of our New Testament, we must stop choosing to increase self. Secondly tonight, we must enlarge Jesus in our lives. If we stop increasing self, we stop boasting in ourselves, we stop trying to accomplish for ourselves, we must enlarge Jesus in our lives by putting His Word in our hearts that we might not sin against Him. By dying to self. Galatians 2 and verse 20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. See, we can die to self, we can stop increasing self, but, but what replaces it? And Paul says, it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Again, in Romans 6 and verse 6, Paul wrote, Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. We be, he goes on in Romans chapter 6 to talk about a new creature. All right? Jesus living in us. The Word of God must be in control of our lives. Our desires and our goals and our worldly wishes must be crucified and replaced with God's desires for our life and with His goals that come from above. If the Word of God is in my heart, and I think this, Travis and I didn't coordinate at all. We, we said right before services we should have, but we didn't. But I think this ties in so well to what he's talking about tonight. If the Word of God is in my heart, if I've been constantly growing in His grace and knowledge, as, as Peter and Second Peter tells us to do, then then. I couldn't solely focus on the things of this world, could I? If Jesus really is in my life, and it's not me living, but Jesus who lives in me, how could I see someone in need of the gospel and not speak to them about their soul? How could I see someone who's spiritually sick and not seek to help them? How could I see someone who needs help and not be willing to help them? Right? I think that ties in perfectly what Travis presented tonight, how could I refuse to be my brother's keeper? How could I let the, the things of this world have priority in my life? We, we couldn't. 
If Jesus was living in us and not ourselves, as we were dead to self, and it was Jesus living in us, we wouldn't pass up those opportunities to serve. Our theme for this month is, is sacrificial service. I'm sure Wes will do a, a much better job when he gets back. But we would not be able to pass up opportunities to serve sacrificially if it was Jesus living in us. Because we all know who Jesus is and what he was willing to do sacrificially for every one of us in giving his life upon the cross for our sins. We would put God first. We'd seek obedience to him first. Remember, it was Jesus who said himself in, in Matthew 6 and verse 33, uh, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. We can all quote it, right? And all these things, those material things we started off talking about, the things that, that the increases that we want in life, he says all those things will be added unto you. That's secondary, though, to seeking first the kingdom and God's righteousness. Brethren, we could turn away from sin and worldliness all day long, but if we don't replace those things, and, and don't get me wrong, we, we've got to do that. We've got to get away from sin, right? But if we don't replace that with something in our lives, something that's spiritually positive, some type of sacrificial service, some type of involvement in the church, it, a study of God's Word, putting His Word in our heart, if we don't replace that and put Jesus in our lives and give Him control, then we haven't accomplished anything. We must enlarge Jesus in our lives. Thirdly, we must increase His glory. If, if we've stopped increasing self and given Jesus our lives, then, then we're in a position to start to glorify our majestic and great and mighty God. Peter wrote in 1 Peter 2 and verse 12 that we are to keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. Paul informs us in 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 20 that we have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. Our lives are not about who has the largest bank account or the most uh, likes on Facebook or Twitter or whatever or, or the most followers or, or who's the most popular in school. Our lives are not summed up by our worldly possessions or if other people love us. Our lives don't belong to us. We were bought with a price and we should glorify God. We have been bought, purchased with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. We must live to glorify God. We must live in such a way that when others see us, they don't think highly of us. Now, we all want that. We don't want people to have a low uh, opinion of us. But that's not what it's about. When others see us, we ought to want them to think highly of God based on who we are and the way we live. And that doesn't mean our lives are always going to be easy. Or, or, or that the world is going to view us positively. Sometimes it means the exact opposite of that. Uh, Peter admonished the church in 1 Peter 4 and verse 16, where he said, If anyone suffers as a Christian, he is not to be ashamed, but is to glorify God in this name. Peter says, when you suffer as a Christian, in, in the way that we endure suffering, even in the context of 1 Peter 4, where it's not just talking about I'm sick, and I'm suffering. He's talking about I'm being persecuted for my faith in God, and I'm suffering. 
the way we endure direct persecution will glorify God. Remember, it was Peter many years before he wrote 1 Peter uh, chapter 4. It was Peter that Jesus spoke to way back in John chapter 21. And in John chapter 21, after Jesus did that back and forth, where, you know, after Peter had uh, denied him three times, Jesus does, uh, do you love me, Peter, right? If you love me, feed my sheep. After he does that three times, uh, Jesus looks at, at Peter in John 21 and verse 18, and he says, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were younger, you used to gird yourself and walk wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will gird you and will bring you where you do not wish to go. Now this, he said, John records, signifying what kind of death he, Peter, would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Jesus is telling Peter, you're going to die and your death is going to glorify God. Are we ready to follow Jesus to our deaths? And before we answer yes, let's start off small. Are we willing to sit here and let Bill preach for another hour and a half? And the answer is probably no, right? We want to go home. Well, then how are we ready? And let's, what about Wes when he comes back, right? He'll do a much better job. Are we ready to stay and let Wes preach till midnight? Then how can we say that we're ready? The answer is no. A lot of times it's not. How can we say that we're ready to die for Jesus? Peter's death, which uh, the history books tell us was an upside-down uh, crucifixion, glorified God. Not the blood or the gore or, or, or the, the pain, but Peter's faith, Peter's endurance, glorified God. And so too should our lives, our faith, our endurance in good times and in bad times. We must live a life that every choice we make, every action we take, points others towards God and glorifies Him. With all that in mind, why would, why would we ever, and a little bit of a tangent, but why would we ever give our money or, or volunteer our time for, for worldly organizations instead of the church? Now, now don't, don't get me wrong, there are a lot of uh, great charitable organizations out there that do many good works, but if I have money to donate, why not give it to the church so that the God may be glorified in the use of the funds. If I have time to volunteer, why don't I spend it with this program and visiting people or, or some other work of the church to serve God? Why am I not using that time in the service with the church so that when the world sees not Bill, not you, when the world sees that, they see the church. And they see the church having compassion and the church showing God's love. And God is glorified. You see, when I, I volunteer for some secular charity or, or worse even for a charity that's affiliated with false religions or denominationalism, the only person that's glorified is me. All I'm doing is virtue signaling that, that I'm compassionate. Brethren, we must decrease self and increase him. 
And we can only increase him by working with the church. Ephesians 3 and verse 10 says that, that, that paraphrasing, that the, it's in the church that God, before the foundation of the world, planned to show his wisdom. So why would I serve and, and do things outside of the church and ignore that sacrificial service to the kingdom of God that glorifies him instead of me? He must increase, but I must decrease. Is Jesus increasing in your life every day? Have you, have I crucified self? We must stop increasing self. We must start enlarging Jesus in our lives. And we must increase His glory. If you're here tonight and, and you're not a New Testament Christian, we plead with you to take the opportunity tonight to, to start your walk with the Lord. You must believe that Jesus is the Son of God, John 8, 24. You must repent, turn 180 degrees away from sin, John, uh, Luke 13, and verse 3, and you must confess with your mouth, Jesus as Lord, Matthew 10, and verse 32, and you must be immersed, baptized for the forgiveness of your sins in water, Acts 2.38, 1 Peter 3.21, Acts 22.16. For God will then add you to His kingdom, the church, and you can glorify God in your service to Him. If you are a member of that blood-bought institution and you already belong to Jesus Christ, but you've only been increasing yourself, maybe even to the point that you've sinned publicly, there's no better opportunity to make that right than right now tonight as we're gathered together. Die to self again and recommit your life to Jesus Christ and set aside that sin that's holding you back. If you want to restart your life with the Lord or start it fresh in baptism tonight, whatever your need, please come as we stand and as we sing.